Welcome to the Boy Open Up Podcast, where we go from tangled to unpacked. I'm your emotionally shattered host, Doug Hildreth, <laughs> and with me as always is my codependent black belt, Christine Stacy. What started as a 30-day social media challenge has blossomed into a rapidly growing movement across the globe where we break down life and society through feelings. The topics and discussions on this podcast are adult in nature, so listener discretion is advised. We want to remind everybody that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely our own and nobody else's. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and family. So the last few weeks, we've been really hammering hard on the addiction therapy model. Yes. And the successes or lack thereof in the industry and we've been very aggressive in terms of directly calling out the like the wild wild west mentality uh, Mm -hmm. of it the subpar treatment standards and overall just the lack of actual therapy yeah yeah it's weird because it's like this unyielding it's like a blunt force trauma like a brute force attack to try to break a code it's like okay well we'll try zero 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 one ah that didn't really work all right, zero, 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 two, mm-hmm. bam, you know, and it's just, we're a hundred years into the game and the playbook hasn't really evolved, yeah. which is fascinating to me that we're still kind of just guessing in a lot of ways. And then I guess this is something that's really pissed me off to be perfectly honest is that what happens when a drug addict, a substance abuser or somebody dies, right? Like an overdose or something happens mm-hmm. It's that immediate societal thing where we go, just another junkie. Yeah. Or, man, they just weren't ready. They just didn't want it enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, those are the things that just absolutely make my skin crawl. Uh, So we've been kind of just sitting here bouncing around going, hey, do we want to go at this again? Right. What kind of direction do we want to take this in? Mm -hmm. And and really what we've talked a lot about, and this is what we're building towards, and and we're going to... I'm going to speak about it in a month uh, at a local university is the impact that we we believe from our lived experience trauma has in substance abuse or misuse and any type thereof, in my opinion, of addictive and addiction style behavior, Yeah. right? And and for me, it all stems to either an actual point of emotional trauma or physical trauma that results in significant amount of emotional pain, right? That's what we defined it as. That's our definition. That's nobody else's. I would yeah. think that a lot of people would agree, but that is our definition. And so now we're talking about it. And I'm also like in the middle of reading this book yeah. called When the Body Says No. Do you remember who it's by? Yeah, it's by Gabor Mate. Okay. And uh, a world-renowned trauma therapist and addiction specialist, right? Okay. And so it's just... It's terrifying for me to huh. listen to the book, and and I mean that because so much of his case studies that he's you know going through right now are people that are dying of you know a life threatening illness okay. that there's not a lot of medical explanation for it okay. yet. So what kind of illnesses is he talking through? You name it, types of cancer which we haven't got to yet. Right oh. now it's ALS and muscular dystrophy. And, right, there's not a lot of like, oh, well, you were pre- genetically predisposed to having ALS, okay. right? Nobody knows really. What causes it? Yes. 
fascinating like thing that he yeah. has noticed and a few other uh, highly renowned uh, researchers and therapists have come to acknowledge is there was two defining characteristics with people that have ALS okay. outside of one outlier. Wait, real quick, can you say what ALS is? Yeah, it's, uh, oh, what's the first part? But it's a type of lateral sclerosis. So it's in the same family as like uh, multiple sclerosis, but it's different. So it's uh, atropic, I believe, uh, muscular. So it's essentially what happens is your, your body shuts down. You lose the ability to literally engage your muscles. Yeah. You can't talk, you can't eat, you can't walk, you can't swallow, you can't laugh. Like, Is that what the famous guy? Baseball player. Are you thinking of Lou Gehrig or are you thinking of Stephen Hawking? Oh, nope. I was thinking of... Oh, boy. Guy on, like, Family Matters or... You're thinking of Michael J. Fox. Yeah, is that different? Totally different. Okay. Yep. He had what uh, Muhammad Ali has. But total, totally okay. separate. Okay. Yep. Lou Gehrig's is... ALS. ALS. Yeah. Yeah. So, two crazy characteristics that they share. One, they're incredibly nice human beings. Hmm. Kind and polite. And he yeah. said that one of the like anomalies in all of this is that when you deal with people who have terminal illness, not everyone is nice right. when they know they're dying. Mm-hmm. They have less patience, and you know, and he's not saying they're bad people, yeah. but he said people with ALS are obscenely polite and courteous. Yeah. And he said it's fascinating, right, that they have that tendency in them. They're all people pleasers. Yeah. They also suffer from extreme emotional repression. And so that's really like what this book is forming is that around all of these different, right, different diseases that manifest in different ways and trigger at different points in our life. So, I don't know if this was even part of the book or not, but just because we're on the topic. So, did they repress emotions and, like, but they were were not uh, alcohol abusers or drug abusers? Or is that Correct. Not... We haven't got there yet. Okay. We have not got there yet. Okay. But these people in these case studies are not, right? Okay. So, this is what's fascinating, and this is what's fascinating they to me. They cope in a different way. Literally, their body. It was funny because he was describing these people who were either incredibly talented musicians or incredibly powerful orators, right? Like a trans, you know, generational speakers, mm-hmm. uh, incredibly hard workers, right? Like that was what Lou Gehrig was known for. Was he was the Iron Man? He played over two thousand games in a row, never missed a game, oh, with wow. broken bones, illness. He just showed up for work every yeah. day because he was loyal to his team and loyal to the fans, yeah. and he <laughs> believed he owed it to them. To show up. Huh. And so these these people with these incredibly repressed emotions, yeah. uh, what happens is, is you see this manifestation of illness mm-hmm. in places that it, it's like, well, no, 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 he, he was incredibly healthy before. And so I, 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 I'm a thinker, right? And yeah. I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking about how <laughs> I relate to all this because yeah. I spent the first 32 years of my life 100% repressing emotion. Right. Not sharing about how I really felt, not talking about what was going on inside. Yeah, I feel like you repressed it to that crazy level where you couldn't consciously say how you even really felt. No, it was like a foreign language. Yeah, you were convinced of what you were putting on the outside. 
in yourself. That I lived it. Yeah. That I modeled it. Convinced that you were happy, that you had everything, Mm -hmm. that that I was coping. Direction. Yeah. In a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what's scary to me is the denial. Right, the rationalization, the justification of like why it's okay to live in this perpetually numb state. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild what the brain will do. Totally off topic, well, not really, but I've been listening to this podcast about these Jonestown cult members that survived the like largest yeah 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 absolutely ever, and it's just wild. Like they're just talking specifically about tactics that cults use. Yeah, uh, and kind of um, not brainwashing was like mind control, right? And influence, yeah, severe influence, and it's just crazy what your brain will convince yourself of to carry on, like you did. To yeah, just, like you just have to convince yourselves of these truths that maybe inside in your gut are not actually true. Yeah, and that's what I think about in terms of right bringing it all back to this addiction therapy model that we've been talking about in this in the disease model, right? Like it's tough to hear people when you hear them say like, "Oh, well, that's the disease. The disease got them." Yeah. And for me, it's like, "Well, what aspect of the disease? Cuz like let's define what the disease is. Cuz if yeah. the disease is diagnosed it's not diagnosable like cancer. Right? Like you can't bring 40 people into a room, do some blood work and go, oh, that one's an alcoholic, that one's a drug addict, that one's a social media, you know, addict, that one's going to be a smoker. Our blood work doesn't determine that stuff, right? The manifestation of our emotional discomfort comes out in different ways. Yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, so what the fuck is causing that? Right. So they're looking at similarly. Yes. At things that you couldn't just take a blood test and know like or yeah you can now but it starts off with little goofy things right like they're talking about you know one day it's like oh man i had a hard time holding on to my water bottle today Hmm. and then four months six months later down the road it's like man i have a hard time with my left leg going upstairs yeah that's weird and then a year later they go to the doctor and it's like you've got als you've got between two and ten years to live uh, you know, and I listened to it. And is it terminally 100%. So no one has reversed it. No. The only person that we know of that's lived for long periods of time with it is Stephen Hawking. Okay. He's lived with it. He lived with it for decades. Oh, wow. Interesting. And no one really knows why. Huh. So that was fascinating, too, to dig into his story. But, the, like, yeah. that's the crazy thing about it is, is the manifestation of these diseases right or this disease and that's really like what it what it comes down to is that we're so fucked up i'll speak for me i was so fucked up and i don't mean that as in terms of just my behavior was erratic yeah i mean emotionally and internally i was in so much pain all the time that i look back on it and i'm like no fucking wonder my behavior was all over the board yeah and that's what i i wonder is why the fuck aren't we asking people like what's really going on with them you know that's the thing when you ask somebody how they're doing mean it Mm -hmm. that's kind of where i'm going with this don't fucking ask it as a casual in passing hey how are you Mm -hmm. 
look somebody in the eye and say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. What's going on with you? And shit, there might not be anything bad. Yeah. But it could help somebody open up. And it could help somebody share something or take a brave step forward. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know for me, uh, it took several nudges and opportunities to have com- truthful conversations <laughs> before... <coughs> it's okay. Before I felt comfortable enough, before I felt brave enough. Yeah. To, as we always say, you call it my coming out party, mm-hmm. right? Before, and, I, and that's what it felt like, yeah. right? The amount of shame, <laughs> it's so sad. So anybody, if you're, you know, LGBTQ community, please don't think that I'm relating <laughs> coming out about my heterosexual affairs as the equivalent of yeah. what it would be like in a homophobic world yes. to come out. That's the only thing I can liken it to yeah. because that's my emotional lived experience. Yeah. So we, we jokingly call it my coming out party. I hope nobody takes offense to that. Yeah, because all of a sudden it was like a 180 turn of yes. you just like your being and your body were actually what, like you just seemed like you were com- more comfortable in you. Yeah, in my own skin. Yeah. You know, and we it talk was about like so different. We talk about that a lot in. In the recovery community, you know, being comfortable in your own skin is a big deal. And the reality of it is, is that I spent over a decade in recovery doing the work that was suggested of me, being open and honest um, about my transgressions and never being comfortable in my own skin, but always telling people that I was. And putting on that show because I wanted to make sure everybody knew that I was a success, one. But I also was desperate to try and make it. Yeah. And be successful. And I was terrified that I was just doomed for failure. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the magnitude of, of being like, okay, so I'm either going to make it or I'm broken. Right, like there, there needs to be a middle of the road, and that's why I always say so much. Right, we talk about like I'm in progress, mm-hmm. I'm in process. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in process. Yeah, you know, and we need to have permission to be in process, but we have to start digging into these models and asking people like, where are these feelings really coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, you and I get into some pretty deep discussions sometimes, mm-hmm. even when we're upset with each other, mm-hmm. and the 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 gist of it always is where's this really coming from Mm -hmm. or what's my motive in this or what was your motive in this Mm -hmm. and then listening and trying to listen without preconceived notions of where it really comes from and I think that's the biggest thing we're getting to now is is we have built such a preconceived notion of why drug addicts and alcoholics use of why people have affairs that we don't even fucking look to see if there's some other reason. Yeah. Like we're blinded by our own pathological processes that we've built in that are inherently failure based. Yeah. And that to me is where I'm like sick of it. Yeah. I'm fed up with it. I hate watching people suffer. Mm-hmm. I hate seeing that people are dying. Uh, it it makes my heart hurt. Yeah. To see how many people that are just like me mm-hmm. are out there not getting the help they need. Right. And not yeah. getting the help they deserve. And being fucking shamed for it. Mm-hmm. And treated like we're pieces of shit. Right. Or we're less than or we're unforgivable mm-hmm. or unworthy because we suffer from this disease. Yeah. That everybody just, oh, it's just a disease. 
It's not a fucking disease. It's mental health. Yeah. That's what that we're suffering from. That's what I was suffering from. I had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And if somebody would have told me I had mental health issues, I would have been like, you're a piece of oh, shit. Go I, fuck yourself. I very much remember you saying one time in a conversation, totally separate, I don't even know how it came up, that you didn't believe in mental health. I didn't. Yeah. And I am so, like, I'm almost embarrassed to say that, but that was just my way of, it was bravado, you know, because I wanted so badly to believe that it was just a matter of will. And I could fix it and I could force my way out of that behavior. And you know this. I used to say it all the time. Like I I genuinely believed it was like a weakness thing. Mm -hmm. That you were weaker if you couldn't fix those things. And so for me, it was almost a weird way though of being openly defiant but inwardly shaming myself at the same time. Because it's fine to stand here and say... I don't believe in mental illness. You know, you just have to toughen up. Sometimes you got to fucking lace your bootstraps up. All the things that we hear about how you just got to go on and do the job. While internally, you know, I can't do the job. Like I couldn't stand up and be a husband. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't be a faithful husband. I was not capable of doing it. I couldn't bring that together. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I said it out loud. I couldn't be a patient father. I couldn't be... You know, a present son. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do any of those things mm-hmm. because I was so full of shame inside. Yeah. And I was dealing with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I was struggling with trauma, with PTSD. I didn't know that. I had no idea because I never gave any credence to it. Right. I refused to believe in it. And then it turned to the, well, I'm just broken. Yeah. And then it was almost like this excuse to behave the way I did for a while. Right. Like, well, I'm fucking broke. And I know that. Nobody can fix me. Yeah. But then you start to believe that you're fucking broken. Yeah. And that's the message we're sending to all these people is it's like, hey, you're defective. Right. Just so you know. But we do have a solution that will work for somewhere around 15% of you. Right. <laughs> if you're willing and you and you do the work. Like, yeah. if you're willing and you're... Ready, but if you aren't ready and you don't do this exact work, then it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. Jails, institutions, and death. Yeah. What if those aren't the fucking only alternatives? Yeah. You know, that's where I go. And what if there is another house left on the street yeah. for us to stop at? Yeah, I think that kind of it all like it all just ties back together. Correct. Your story is similar to baseball player story and. The other addict story. Yes. That we need a chance. Everyone needs a chance to. It's processing. It's not a one-time thing, but right. Peel back the layers and to talk through everything. I just think literally. about like literally. I, I picture this weird peeling back the layers of this body. Yes. And talking through that inner kind of soul. Uh, and the ways that it's hurt and still feels like a young child and vulnerable and uh, just all the things. Uh, yeah. I think that is literally the message of our podcast is trying to get people to start that process. Of opening up. Yeah. And that's the deal. That was so well said. That's exactly it. That's the point. That's what we're trying to hammer home. That's the mission we've set out on, uh, you know, from the beginning. And that's the message we're going to keep hammering home as we begin to explore this more and more and start bringing about what we call recovery for all. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like that's kind of what we call it. And that's what I've called it. That's what I've referred to it as. And that's what we believe it can be, mm-hmm. is a different definition and a dawning of a new era. And that's what's so exciting about what we're talking about is it feels like, and this is what's wild to me, it feels like we're on like the cutting edge yeah. of some really wild technology. And here's the crazy thing. It's human emotion. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what's fascinating. It feels like we're at the forefront of this field and we're with these, you know, these other like-minded individuals and having these conversations that are heady and they're deep and they're meaningful and they're so exciting because it feels like something is building yeah. and growing and getting ready to blossom. Yeah. And we're getting ready to be able to share what that solution looks like to the world. Yeah. And that's a really exciting thing. So for like those of you that are out there that are struggling with addiction, that are struggling with depression, that struggle with obesity, that struggle with overeating, that struggle with anorexia, that struggle with anything, right, that makes you feel guilt or shame about the kind of person you are, there's fucking hope. And I hope that right now, like listening to this, you know that there really is a solution available to you. And that there are people out there that are willing to help you walk through it and sift through it as you begin to open up and peel back those layers like Christine was talking about. Mm -hmm. That's what this podcast is about and that's what our message is about. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for opening up with us. We'll talk to you again soon. (laughs) 